is in PDX. Nick Adkins, standing here in beautiful San Diego outside the Innovation Lab of Exponential Medicine, and I'm here with Health Innovation Media. Happy to be speaking with Milan Kamkolkar, who is a partner at PA Consulting out of New York. It's a long way from New York to San Diego. I saw you here last year, Milan, and and the vibe that that you have going, and I you know follow each other on Twitter, and dude, you're uh, you are Vader with a beard, right? So you know, we try, right? Sith lords, man. What are you gonna do, right? <laughs> yeah. So tell me what what's happening. You know, you were telling me an interesting story yeah. a few minutes ago about the history of PA. And, yeah. and that, that's kind of interesting to share that with us. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so PA Consulting Firm, it's a firm that's not necessarily known very well in the U.S., but we were effectively a spin-up. PA is not Pennsylvania. It's a personal assistant. It was spun out of the U.K. military in World War I to help uh, really design better military-grade equipment and things like that and start optimizing the way in which the U.K. military could basically win World War I and World War II accordingly. Uh, since then, the easiest way to describe PA, and I'm still learning, I've only been there three months now, um, when people have asked me who is PA, what do they do? I basically explain it. We are what Q is to James Bond, right? right? That's what we do. We we are deep, you know, folks deep in science, deep in engineering, deep in material science, in fabrication, and some of these things. But we try and balance that with. Um, consulting so that what we build on behalf of our clients is commercially viable and has an approach that actually works in the market. Um, So it's, you know, things from additive manufacturing for some of the big CPG firms. It's, uh, in our case, digital health and what that means, and I'm happy to explain that a bit more later. Uh, We're delving more and more into AI and some of the other, you know, buzzwords around blockchain and so forth. But we're looking at it from the commercial viability, right? Yeah, I'm going to jump on that blockchain thing right now. I I don't want to let that one go by. That's all right. There's a huge buzz Uh uh, about blockchain and healthcare. And in in the last few months, it's just been getting more momentum, more momentum, more momentum. Yeah. I'm a fan of blockchain. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell tell me what you think. I think it. I think it applications is, in healthcare. Okay, applications in healthcare. I think there's three fundamental applications to healthcare, and I'll go from moderate to extreme of where I think the world's going with blockchain, or the opportunity that it proposes. <clears throat> Number one, um, the first one is in disrupting the way in which we do reimbursement processing. Right, this is going to be a killer for most insurance companies. Here's why. 90-day reimbursement periods. What's often happening during those 90 days? They're earning interest on our premium. So as a consumer, I am paying someone to technically monitor my health while they're making money off me and I don't see a cent of it. What do I get in return? Adjudication. What if you could reduce that to 24 hours? Securely, processed well. You know, there's still adjudication process will be there, but that's one, right? Right, but the the payers are, you know, there's a lot of revenue on that float. Yeah. So, so there's there's going to be pushback, resistance. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Look, I'm not saying these are easy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm simply saying these are the opportunities, and okay. uh, whoever the next Zuckerberg might be will figure that stuff out, right? It's certainly not going to be me because you know, <laughs> I'm happy to help people with that, but not necessarily lead that, right? Uh, I think the second area, though, which is very interesting, if you think about the whole EMR space, um, and just from you know, from a very personal standpoint, you know, when my wife was in hospital earlier this year, you know, we were struggling with just some of the things that were coming in the electronic medical order. And when I spoke to some of the physicians and nurse practitioners about it, I don't think I've met any physician today that says they love the EMR. I do, however, meet a lot of CFOs who love the billing it provides them and accuracy in billing cycles. So let's be clear. What is EMR today? It's a billing provisioning application. We don't know ICD-10 codes. How do you match them appropriately? brilliant application for that 
not a clinical pathway. Clinicians are asking for something that's valuable to them. And if you actually look in the EMR data files, the most relevant information is in the free text section. It's not actually in the hard-coded stuff, right. right? Now, how do you mine the free text, right? So that's where I think the next evolution of that's coming in. If you can build a blockchain environment with EMR layered on top, you start getting secure transactions, not only of that piece, but then also of other health attributes that we may want. Now, I'm going to push it to the extreme. Okay. Now, okay? And I really wish this happens. I really wish this happens. I want to see a new marketplace develop where we, the consumer, are now the arbitrage and brokerage firms determining what the price of our data actually is to share with other people. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, I think we're entitled, right? And now imagine if you're getting all this sensor data and all these things coming to you, you're leading a reasonably healthy life. I'm going to broker what? my own data. Exactly. exactly. I'm going to have a chip. Right. So now I'm you look gonna, up. I'm going to have a seat in the game now. Exactly. Yeah. For once. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Right? Yeah. So I'm thinking that's where it's going to go. Coming. I think it's coming and I think, you know, the issue in all of this is at the end of the day, who's going to pay for that? Right? I think that's the struggle that we face today. I mean, I love exponential technologies. I think from a tech perspective... Oh, okay. Okay, sure. Okay. We pause it for a second. Yeah, ready to go? Okay. Where, where I'd like to see some of this go, where I think the real value is going to come down, is not in necessarily what great tech... I, you know, I tend to get the sense, and the big shift I see from last year to this year right now is that we're talking about great technology looking for applications. And I'm sorry, I'm not sure much of the technology I've seen here or even outside of here, beyond a couple of talks, you know, at the risk of being a little rude, right? I haven't seen the commercial value, right? I haven't seen what, how does this get paid for? Is this reimbursed? Is it part of a clinical pathway? You know, uh, in some cases it is, but most of the time, you know, the buzzwords are being thrown around, you know, I'm well, just let's not. Let's talk about that. Let's, you know, we were here last year. Yeah. And so things are, are different this year than they were last year. I mean, there's, there's more momentum on some of the cool technology. So what have you seen so far tech-wise here yeah. this yeah. year yeah. that has really got you excited? It's like, wow, this, this is the yeah. thing. What, yeah. what is it right now? Uh, it's the nanotech. Okay. Straight up. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, Sang you know, Dr. Sangeeta's uh, talk yesterday was just so profound. And she gave one particular statement that I just, like, I don't think I memorized, but I'll paraphrase. Um, you know, how do you work now with the regulators when you are now no longer producing a chemical compound or a molecular antibody, but you're producing a device that has sensors that has all of these things and now needs to be reimbursed and priced and approved as a clinical grade equipment, right? But if we can work properly with the, and I think the feds want to do this, the regulators want to do this, they do want to see some of this disruption come through because fundamentally we need to change that face of medicine. Um, I, I think CRISPR, some of the CRISPR things are really interesting, but I think we're placing it in the wrong area. I think CRISPR needs to be a biological discipline that start, starts when you start college or even in high school. So the way I call it, I think CRISPR is the pen and DNA is the paper that you write on now. Right. For, for nice. Biology, right? Yeah. Nice. And I think that's where if we can start teaching that and hospitals start embracing that and have that as actually practice in hospitals for emerging medical students, then we're going to see a real revolution in terms of clinical trials where N equals one for the patient.
Agree. Absolutely. That's awesome. Milan, it's so good to see you again, brother. And yeah, thanks man. for spending time with us. Uh, hope you have the rest of the rest of the conference is awesome for you. Absolutely, yeah. man. Hey, thanks. Look, hashtag pink socks, man. That's what it's all about. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.